Hello, good evening, and welcome again to one of our Thursday night Bible studies. We're in James and we're moved into chapter 2. We'll be reading together from verses 1 to 13. And the title of tonight's study is Favouritism, a Contradiction of Christian Living. James 2, verse 1. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonoured the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honourable name by which you are called? If you really fulfil the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbour as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen. James 1, 2-18 is dealing with the Christian and trials. And James is concerned in chapter 1 that we would respond to trials in a biblical way. When a believer goes through trials, he says, Lord, this is what you have been preparing me for. And you're going to use this trial to make me into what I am not now. That is, into more conformed into the image of your own dear son. And it changes the way that we look at trials. And then it seems as if James changes the subject in verse 19. In verse 19, all the way to the end of chapter 1 in verse 27... James speaks about the reality that there are some people who profess to be Christians and do not live as if they are Christians. He argues that your Christianity ought to permeate every area of life. Yet there are some Christians who profess a personal piety and who do not display a public morality. And then he takes the example in verse 27 of how we care for widows and orphans as a index of our spirituality. In other words, if you claim to be a Christian and do not show practical, tangible care to those in the covenant community who are in need, it does not speak well for the claims of your profession. Hard-hitting words. And you wonder, well, how does that fit with trials? Well, in both cases, how you undergo trials and how you display love in public reveal the truth of your profession. Many people in the midst of trials show that they have never really been trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. And also, so also many people, by their social behaviour, their public behaviour, 
Their lack of Christian behaviour and social relationships show that they do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And then when we get to James 2, he gives us a negative example of public behaviour and he challenges us with that particular sin. If you wanted to deny the faith, how would you do it? You wake up one morning and you decide you want to deny the faith. How do you go about it? Do you renounce your membership? Do you write a book or a pamphlet criticising the central tenets of the Christian faith? Do you join the local atheist club? Well, James in this passage chillingly tells you one way that you can deny the faith. Showing favouritism towards some and bias toward others. And James counts this as a fundamental denial of the Christian gospel. To show favouritism is a denial of the faith and of the gospel. If that is true, we better find out what James means by favouritism. In this passage, James 2, 1 to 7, James teaches us that the Christian faith is utterly incompatible with favouritism. And then in verses 8 to 13 of chapter 2, James teaches us that Jesus' royal law is incompatible with favouritism. So the first point is the Christian faith is incompatible with favouritism. James says that the Christian faith is incompatible with favouritism and so in our witness we must manifest the gospel, not the spirit of partiality and favouritism. James states his first principle in verse 1. This is the caption for everything else that he's going to say all the way down to verse 13. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. James says the Christian faith is incompatible with petty favouritism and shallow prejudice. And James uses several terms for this in this passage in order to indicate what kind of behaviour he is talking about. Here in verse 1, he speaks of personal favouritism. If you're using an older translation, it may say respecter of persons. But if you look forward to verse 3, he speaks about paying special attention to some while ignoring others. In verse 4, he talks about making distinctions. In verse 9, he speaks about showing partiality. And in verse 13, James even uses the language of showing no mercy towards the person. All of these are the words that he uses to indicate the kind of behaviour that is a fundamental and functional denial of the Christian faith. What does he mean by personal favouritism? Let us start with what he does not mean first. He does not mean that it is wrong to make appropriate distinctions. It'd be totally wrong to condemn anyone who helps an elderly person to a seat rather than a healthy 19-year-old. That is a manifestation of love, even through making a distinction. The, The distinction does not come from bias or shallow prejudice. It comes from a manifestation of love. There is a need that the elderly person may have that the young person does not. And the response of love is to make a distinction in that circumstance. James does not mean that we should show due deference to people. That is not James's point. 
What does he mean then by personal favouritism? What does he mean by partiality? He means a self-serving discrimination that is based on shallow externals. Verse 4. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? The rich man arrives at the door and the question could be, could he be a big giver? No more budget troubles here. Whereas they see the poor person, the response is disdain. We would not want a person like that. That bad lady, that tramp, that person from the wrong side of the tracks. We would not want a person like that in our fellowship. And so on the positive side, we would be looking at the rich visitor from the standpoint of what he can do for us. Whereas on the negative side, we would be disdaining another as unworthy of our attention because he or she is different from us or perhaps in our own view beneath us. My friend, one way to test your grasp of God's mercy is to ask, how do you treat other sinners? One response is favouritism, a shallow superficial discrimination based upon externals. But that is not someone who knows God's mercy. One who knows that he or she is only a sinner saved by grace. Now James applies the principle of verse 1 in verses 2 through 4. He gives a concrete illustration, the illustration of the rich man and the poor man showing up at the door to church at the same time. It is an illustration of petty favouritism and shallow prejudice where we favour one person over another based merely upon externals. In this case, James's illustration is the illustration of how we might prefer someone who has wealth and influence over someone who is poor and obscure and untidy. But James could have illustrated this petty prejudice and shallow favouritism in other ways. He could have spoken about race or colour or the language that a person uses or their background or many other things. But his point is this, we show petty favouritism when we allow these kind of externals to dictate our mistreatment of some and our flattery of others. And James in verses 5 to 7 wants us to put this kind of behaviour in light of God's redemptive plan. Look at verse 5. Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? James wants us to, to think about our treatment of other people, and I want you to notice he is talking about our treatment of non-Christians here. This is not just how we treat one another in the body, these people are strangers to the church. They are visitors. They have to be ushered to the right place to be seated. James is talking about our attitude even towards those who are outside the community of faith. And how is that attitude to be governed and controlled? By looking at the principle of God's redeeming plan. One of the glories of the gospel is that in God's grace, he chose us in spite of ourselves, in spite of our sins. And James is saying in the way that God 
drew you by mercy into his own family. That instructs how you look at people in the world who are different from you. Who you may instinctively think of as beneath you or with whom you do not want to have fellowship. As Christians, for us to reject the despised and the downcast and the overlooked and to receive certain persons because they're considered inherently more worthy of respect is a fundamental contradiction of grace. God did not look at our worth, otherwise we would be in hell. God's mercy is your example. In Deuteronomy 7, 7 to 8, God is clear that the children of Israel should not misunderstand the doctrine of his elect in them. Deuteronomy 7, 7 to 8. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. The Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. We're to, treat, we're to treat others with the same spirit of mercy. James is saying in light of what God is doing in his redeeming plan, it would be a fundamental contradiction of his grace for us to despise the poor and favour the rich. Grace is the great leveller of our worthiness. For a Christian to treat people in the world based on their inherent worthiness in his own eyes is a contradiction of God's mercy to us. It is like that man who had been forgiven, forgiven much, going and immediately demanding the return of his investment from the man who is poorer than he. How do you show that kind of favouritism towards other people? How do you show that kind of shallow favouritism or prejudice which is based on their externals. One way that we struggle is the area of the colour of people of a person's skin. How do you view those who are different from you? Or maybe even those you instinctively think of as beneath you. Do you view them with mercy? Do you treat them with mercy? Do you welcome them in? I have seen favouritism at work. It's been effusive in praise and gushing over someone to make a point that you're not doing that to someone else. And that is favouritism. It belongs in the nursery playground and has no place in the Bride of Christ. That is James's challenge to us. Secondly, though, growing in grace means that we seek to live out the whole law of God. He goes on in verses 8 to 13 to say it is not just that the faith is denied when we show petty favouritism and shallow prejudice, but it is Jesus's royal law that is contradicted. It is incompatible with favouritism. And if we are to be if we're going to grow in grace, we must strive to seek to live out the whole law of God, not just bits of it. James in verse 8 states the first principle. He reminds us of Jesus' call to neighbour love. You shall love your neighbour as yourself. That ought to settle it because if you're loving your neighbour as yourself, you're not going to show base, shallow prejudice based on the externals. Would you want to be treated that way? 
But partiality, he says in verse 9, is a denial. It is a violation of that very command because Jesus's royal law is incompatible with petty partiality. Not only that, but violation of God's commands at this point makes one a lawbreaker because holiness is one. And to break God's law in one place is to break it everywhere. James knows that he's writing to people who care about the Bible. And they care about following the commands of God. And they care about holiness. But the problem is they've got blind spots. And they spend a lot of time working on holiness in area A and have left this gap in, a, in area B. And James says you can spend your all of your time being holy over here and ignore God's law over here and you're breaking the whole law. And so he challenges them right in this area of favouritism. He gives an illustration in verses 11 and 12. If you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. You've become holy in one area of the law, but you've broken the law in another. So also, he says, you can be pursuing godliness, as you think, in some area of life, and yet ignoring God's word in another area. And what are you? You are a lawbreaker. And if we see the demands of keeping the whole law, what is it going to do to us? It is going to drive us back to God for mercy. Because we know if we stand before God and we are judged by our keeping of the law, what is going to happen? We're going to be condemned. And so in verse 12, the law of liberty, if you're judged according to Christ's works, and you're accepted according to Christ's works. And you're, and you're declared righteous according to Christ's works. You are invited into the kingdom of heaven because of Christ's work. That is the law of liberty. If you receive that liberty, that freedom from condemnation through the mercy and the grace of God, how are you going to treat other people? Your heart must overflow with mercy. And if it is not overflowing with mercy, is that not an indication that you have never tasted of his mercy? If unforgiveness, favouritism characterises you, have you ever known the mercy of God in your soul? Shallow favouritism is sinning against the rule of Christ and the whole law of God. And it is inviting his strictest judgments. A vital faith will lead to our demonstrating mercy and accepting others, especially those who are different from us, those who make us uncomfortable, those who are less fortunate than we are. And it would transform our Christianity and it would transform our Christian witness if we really began to live this out. May God start here changing our hearts. And may you be pleased to use it for revival among us and an awakening around us. May God bless the words. Have a great rest of the evening. God bless.